So let me ask this question. In this age of gender fluidity and proper pronouns, if a man should wake up one morning and, and decide that I feel like a woman, can that man be eligible to to get an abortion? Man, I feel like a woman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Okay, 50 years ago, we would not be having this discussion. 40 years ago, 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, I highly doubt we would be having this discussion. People still had a level of common sense, though declining, to consider such a prospect absolutely bizarre. But today we are being told that men can get pregnant. That's right, we're being told that men can get pregnant. Which means I guess men could, in states like New York and New Jersey, California and what have you, they could get abortions. None of this makes any sense. And yet if you if you even question it in certain places, like Facebook or Twitter, if you even question it, you will be shouted down as some kind of transphobe, hater, passer of misinformation, fake news, hate speech, and on and on it goes. We are getting used to being beaten down by stupidity and lies. We are used to being censored and silenced when we speak the truth. And what has gradually happened in this very carefully orchestrated world, now think about this with me. Follow along with the logic. Many of the politicians that are pushing all this transgenderism, even for young children, I have to wonder how many fully believe it or do they embrace it for political gain and power and control? After all, if people become fearful of speaking up about certain issues, then it makes it easier for those politicians to have control over your life because they are silencing any and all opposition. Transgenderism. Is it a disease? Is it a dysphoria? Is it a mental illness? Well, mental illness is the most probable, most probable cause and most probable reason for anybody being afflicted with, with gender dysphoria, confusion about am I a man or am I a woman? Statistically, and let's go back in time, before all this nonsense that has been pushed upon our society in ever massive floods, when people could think rationally. It was a rare occurrence when somebody was born with a birth defect, and I'm going to call it that, and I'm not meaning to be offensive, but as a birth defect, where there may have been issues biologically in the secondary sexual organs. 
I mean, that's just a fact. It, it can happen, but it was extremely rare. Today, we are being told to believe that a child in the womb, no less, let alone, well, that's if they're not aborted, of course, which, which then presents another problem that just hit me. If a child knows what its gender is in the womb, then how dare we abort that child because you're killing a human being that has reason and the ability to think and feel and, and ponder. No, 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 you can't argue that, Bob, because see, abortion is like a sacrament. It, it, it's, it is, you, have to, you just have to understand it's important. We must have it. We'll get to that one in just a moment. So we are being told by all these so-called experts like Richard Levine, who goes by the name Rachel and pretends she is an admiral in the health service. Sorry, Richard, you're a man. You were born a man. Your DNA betrays you as a man. You are physically a man. You will always be a man and you'll be buried as a man. Period. You can believe and pretend all you want to be. You can pretend you're Batwoman for all I care. You can pretend you're Superman. I don't care. It doesn't make it so. But see, in today's world, this is adults playing make-believe. And we are told we have to go along with their pretending their make-believe stuff. And if we don't go along and pretend and, and agree with their make-believe stuff... Somehow we are the, the evil people. We are the transphobes. We are the hate speech purveyors. We are the ones that need to be silenced. It was several weeks ago that I played an audio cut. I'm not going to play it now because there's no need to. I've played it a few times on the program. And this was a second grade teacher in a public school, a second grade teacher in a public school. And it shows you how how much has changed in the half century since I left public schools. Here is this woman with green and purple hair, a couple of, you know, face piercings, a tattoo, these strange-looking glasses, and this completely bizarre attitude. And this is a second-grade teacher in a public school. And she's bragging in a video to her friends about how many of her second-graders are transgender And she talks about this one person. I don't know if it was a girl or a boy to start with. It's not clear in what she was saying. But this this student came to her and, and indicated that he wanted or she wanted to change their pronouns. In other words, they were not comfortable being a girl or a boy, whatever the case may be, and they now wanted to be the other. And so she was just so delighted. She was so inspired by that young little second grader 
I mean, a second grader is like barely eight years old. And this second grader knew that I'm, I'm the wrong biological sex. I am the wrong gender. I am in the wrong body. And so please, teacher, call me by my preferred pronouns. And when she let the class know that this one student had changed their pronouns, they all celebrated and others came out as transgender. So many others were also in the wrong bodies. And they too wanted to be recognized for their brave decision that I'm really not a boy, I'm a girl, or I'm not really a girl, I'm a boy. And this teacher is bragging that she is going to work with these students to help them achieve their change. And she also will never tell their parents because you can't trust parents. It's in the hands of our public educators. We have allowed the conversation to be directed by people that are suffering mass delusion that I believe, and, and, and follow me on this, this is vitally important. Follow me on this. Transgenderism as being pushed by people like Richard Levine, not Rachel, Richard. Transgenderism as being embraced by the White House of the United States wanting to have funding for gender-affirming treatments and surgeries for minors, for children. You have a political party here in the United States that is seeking re-election in the Congress in about two, a little over two weeks, that is on the side of surgically altering and mutilating children. They believe firmly in the woman's right to choose. And some of the reasons that are given, like by Stacey Abrams running for governor in the state of Georgia, that the way to stop inflation is to have more abortions. What kind of an idiot is she? And I'm sorry that I'm using that term. I really should use the term, what kind of reprobate is she? to even think such things, to even say such things. And what kind of party, what kind of political party can be so morally, spiritually, and intellectually bankrupt to be pushing this kind of stuff? It is the party of celebration of sin and dysfunctionality. Sin and dysfunctionality are the things that are now celebrated by today's left-leaning Democrat party. And if you're a Democrat that doesn't belong, that doesn't believe in that, any of that anymore, you don't belong there. And yet they keep doubling down on gender dysphoria, homosexual rights. They have no issue with having men having men that dress as women coming into public libraries doing some pretty obscene stuff 
in front of little impressionable children. You know, the Bible is very clear. And I want to be as clear as I can be. That what these men are doing when they dress as women and have these drag shows for children is they are condemning themselves to an eternity in hell. And the parents that think it's all right to take their children to such horrific and such deprived showings. As the Bible said, it would be better to dash your children's head against the rocks and be raised by those parents. That's pretty strong words. But we have come to a point of this separation of the goats and the sheep in the United States, in United Kingdom, in all of the Western world, all of Europe. Europe is pretty well a, a continent full of goats. There are very few sheep left in Europe, very few. Only a handful of sheep left in the United Kingdom. It's almost impossible to find any sheep anymore in Australia or even New Zealand. Canada, same thing. The sheep are dying off and the goats are taking over. And here in the United States, we are not far behind. We are not far behind. And God is separating the sheep from the goats. And if you can identify with what I am telling you right now, if you can see that there's something completely wrong about all of this stuff being pushed on the political stage and the public education stage, in social media, in mainstream media, Oh, yes, CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, New York Times, L.A. Times. All of them, all of them embrace every bit of this and consider it quite normal. And if you don't consider it quite normal, if you don't embrace all of this, there's something wrong with you. And you need to be silenced. You need to be separated. You need to be ostracized by society for believing that men are men and women are women. That you can't just choose and and change on a dime. But that, my friend, is the world in which we live. The world of the reprobate mind. The world of literally God-induced delusion. And the Bible has clearly warned about such. St. Paul writes it numerous times, what the reprobate mind is, how you get it. There are many that have cursed God. Cursed God. You know, I I looked the other day, I had had a, a posting in a kind of a public forum. And I had pointed out that some of the behavior that I see from our FBI here in the United States going after people that are pro-life and yet ignoring those that burn down crisis pregnancy centers shows an intellectual and moral bankruptcy within the Justice Department of the United States. We now have the Department of Injustice who is led by a man by the name of Merrick Garland. 
and Merrick Garland is an affront to all that is good. The man is evil to the core. I'm just going to come out and say it. Those underneath him, like Christopher Ray, they're liars, they're opportunists, and they're funded by taxpayer money to push political agendas. If you are a person of faith, you're in the target all the time. Now, recently, PayPal, you may have seen this in the news, had released their their user agreement update. And, you know, I've had PayPal literally since, well, like for 20 years now or more. Because my, my late wife used to enjoy getting things on eBay and it was a safer way to buy stuff. And, and I, I've used it on and off over the years when I've had to. And I've used it for this ministry for a convenience for those that would like to support the mission and ministry of, of, of this radio program. And I did it hesitantly, but it was out there. And there were a few people that from time to time have used it. Now, the new user agreement was going to allegedly, they claim it was all a big mistake, and I don't buy it. PayPal, you're lying. You are lying. You got caught. You didn't expect. See, whoever reads those terms, I mean, how many times have you bought some software and actually read the all the terms? and conditions you don't most people don't it's in mice type and for me at my age i can't even read half the stuff even if i try to amplify it on my screen it's hard to read paypal was going to reserve the right for people that were disseminating what they declared as misinformation the right to take $2,500 from you. And if you read carefully, that means if you had a linked bank account, they could find you and you were giving them the right to to take $2,500 if they ever caught you selling or using PayPal for anything that, that espoused hate speech or misinformation or whatever things that they were upset about. Now, PayPal has since rescinded that for the moment, making the bogus claim, and I'm going to call it bogus for a couple of reasons. Well, that was sent out by mistake. That was never intended to go public, okay? Let's assume that you're correct in that statement. Why would you even have something in the talking stages that had such a fine attached? What would possess you to think that you have the right to do that, that you are now the arbitrators to take people's money to force them into silence on certain issues. And you're going to tell me that before you put something out publicly and send it to every PayPal user that had an account, that your battery of lawyers didn't read it, You're going to tell me that somehow this draft that no one's supposed to have seen that really is not what we're going to do somehow got past the lawyers and past everybody and was put out. And nobody noticed. 
not even PayPal, until there was backlash. And people began to say, I'm done. And PayPal started losing thousands upon thousands of accounts per minute when people discovered what was going on or what could go on. And suddenly PayPal says, no, 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 no. We never really said that. We didn't mean it. It was a mistake. It was. It should never have gone out. But now you know how they really think internally. Do you trust them? I don't. I will be removing the PayPal link for Truth to Ponder at the end of October. And I've decided to make it the end of October for one reason. There are a few people that have used it automatically, not often. And I want to have time to let them know that it's going away for this radio program and the ministry. I can't use it any longer. I can't. I can't use PayPal knowing that at some point they will come back when they figure they can get away with it. And they will suppress your speech. There have been stories after stories after stories. There's a publication online in the United Kingdom called The Exposé. And they have some great stories there. There's some that are a little bit over the top. But see, PayPal multiple times has turned them off and has almost tried to bankrupt them. I don't want... By the way, PayPal does not represent enough of an income to this ministry to to bankrupt it or shut it down. But I don't want them to feel they have even the right to one penny and it's not going to be at risk. And besides, why should they get the transaction fee? That's why I have Give, Send, Go. That's why Give, Send, Go is, is the preferred way. It is a Christian crowdfund sourcing organization. I'd rather they get the benefit. And I'm looking into other safe alternatives for online support. The fact that we're talking about transgenderism, the the fact that we're trying to mainstream homosexuality to little children, the fact that any of this is even pertinent to somebody below the sixth grade is insane. The fact you can believe that a child in the womb that doesn't get aborted can know their gender Well, they know their gender, then they're a human being, so you're committing murder to kill them. And the fact that abortion is considered, Rush Limbaugh, whether you liked him or not, was correct in something he said years and years ago. Leftism is a religion. Leftism is a religion. It replaces God. It desires to replace God in all things. It wants to be the God. And abortion has become its sacrament. He's correct, it has. You have an entire political party that all they have is January 6th, and we hate Trump, and abortion, that's all they have left. And they believe somehow that abortion is so important to everybody in the United States of all ages that because of their willingness to terminate a life in the womb, all the way up until the moment of birth 
And if Gavin Newsom and others have their way, even up to 28 days after the child is born, you can decide, you know, I don't want this child. I, I can't deal with it. You kill it. This is satanic to the core. Satan is here to destroy and to kill. And today's Democrat Party and most leftists around the world are willing to do the killing of the most defenseless. I was going to share some other things today, but I think that is enough in this first segment to share that we are in a world of hurt, a world of hurt. And those that are Christians are now in the distinct minority. Do you believe in the mission and ministry of truth to ponder? I could really use your help. Shortwave airtime, one of the last free speech bastions, is not free. There is a charge. And if you can help pay that bill, it would mean the world to me. As I mentioned, you can do it from our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. Or you can simply make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And that's Post Office Box 510. P.O. Box 510. The city is Chilhowee. Chilhowee, Virginia. Chilhowee is spelled C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowee, Virginia. Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee, Virginia is 24319. That zip code again, 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Who gets all the good press? Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in the Gospels, who gets all the good press? Did you ever notice that only one person is lifted up? Without exception, the authors of the Gospels refuse to lift themselves up or give themselves any real good press. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't lift up Matthew. It records that Matthew was a sinner and a tax collector. The Gospel of John doesn't lift up John. His gospel records that John was one of the 12 disciples who either betrayed or forsook the Lord. Mark's gospel is said to have been based on the account of Peter, but Peter, the leader of the disciples, hardly receives any good press. And as far as Luke's concerned, Luke's gospel isn't concerned about Luke at all. Only one person gets all the good press. Only one person is glorified, Messiah. Now, this is a unique and wonderful truth. You see, if the Gospels were the work of man, they'd bear the fingerprints of the authors. The authors would downplay their own faults, take credit for the incredible words of divine wisdom, and give themselves as much good publicity as they could. But they don't. Instead, they downplay themselves and they lift up the Lord alone. Just another sign the Gospel is from God. So what about you? Your life also is to give account of the Gospel, does it? Are you seeking to lift up yourself or the Lord, your own reputation or the Lord's reputation? Are you the Lord's press agent or your own press agent? You can't be both. Get yourself out of the way, my friend, so you can lift up the Lord in your life. Give him the good press and your life will become a gospel. Want more? Ask for the five gospels. 
Now the free gift for you. From the sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim to the writings of the rabbis that prove Jesus is the Messiah, the awesome long-hidden mystery now revealed, the mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. So how do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to minister with me, together bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and to the unreached peoples of all nations, of five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1, that's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1, or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I know a good number of you could care less about social media like Twitter. And, you know, it's there. I use it to kind of follow the news, but I don't live or die by it. A lot of people sadly do. And those that spend a lot of time on Twitters try to develop followers. In other words, if you're a politician, if you're a movie star, or some what they call the term now is is social media influencer. You've heard that term before. You're looking for mass numbers of followers. But the word follower has a lot of connotations. I believe it's vitally important that we define what all this means to follow. Follow means more than just observe. Follow means that you are, generally speaking, of the same mindset. So my question to you is, who do you follow? In whom do you believe? In whom do you trust? And even more important, why? Now, a few years ago, I preached a message to a church in Florida, and I covered that topic of who do you follow, who do you serve and why, and why it is important you need to know in whom you can believe. So let me take you back several years to this message of hope, and I hope it means something to you today. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, in this place to learn from your word. Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word, that it may be effectual and make changes within us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. The word follow, as used in the Gospels and is also found in the Old Testament, is not used that often especially in the Old Testament, and here's why. The general referencing to a follower in the Old Testament was a follower of a false idol or a false god. 
like they were followers of Baal, they were followers of Moloch, they were followers of whatever. And so in the much of the Old Testament, the term being a follower almost has a negative connotation because remember, at that time, the children of Israel lived under the law. And so they were not necessarily followers, they were obedient in the law. Now Jesus comes along and he is seeking those to follow him. Now one of the problems in understanding a Bible in the English is our language in English, as complex as it is, oftentimes can miss a few nuances of other languages. And this is true in the word of a follower. There is a bit of a, more of a distinction. It's not like, and I used, if you saw the webpage, I used that picture of Jesus sitting on a park bench next to this one guy and Jesus going, no, I'm not meaning on Twitter, I mean really follow me. We tend to follow people online. We tend to follow people, if you use Twitter, to hear what they have to say. And in that regard, being a follower is still missing what the biblical definition from the Greek to follow means. A follower of Jesus is outlined so nicely today in our epistle lesson where we pick up where St. Paul left off in our discussion last week. And so we start at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are being saved, it is the power of God. Now that's an interesting thing I'm going to get to in a second. I'm going to divide this verse in half. To the world, the idea of following this person makes no sense. It's foolishness. Why would we want to follow Jesus to the cross? Think about that for a second. Why would we want to follow Jesus to the cross? It is because from the cross, we have hope because of the resurrection. So we follow him to the cross. Then we experience what St. Paul says, the power of his resurrection that changes our lives. See, to be a follower in the Old Testament meant a dedication that is huge. I mean, to be a follower of Moloch, remember, once again, you look at the Old Testament references, they almost have a negative connotation. To be a follower of the god Moloch required a lot. I mean, it required the sacrifice of your firstborn. If you wanted to be a follower of Moloch, your first kid had to be burned to death on the altar of Moloch. And so when you follow Moloch, you followed Moloch. Because you would never prosper if you did not follow in obedience. Jesus wants followers just as dedicated to him as those were to pagan gods in the Old Testament. But see, Jesus' message is so different. It is so life-affirming. It is so life-changing. Jesus wants us to give him everything of ourselves. 
Everything to be his follower. If you remember in last week's gospel lesson, which was the basis of Father Steve's sermon, Jesus is now beginning to assemble his followers, his disciples. And he comes to Peter. I mean, they just have finished fishing for the day. But to those that he called, they just left everything behind. It was like, okay, I'm not a fisherman anymore. There's the boat. You all want it? Take it. Everyone that followed Jesus dropped everything. One of the things that Jesus says in another part of the Gospels is, is hard for people to take. And it has been, was a stumbling block for me for many years. Jesus wants people to follow him. And he gives the analogy of those that he calls to follow. And somebody says, well, I just got married. I have a wife I have to take care of. No, you don't. No, you don't. I just bought a piece of land. I need to check on it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, one of my family members died. Let the dead bury the dead. It's a hard thing to understand. But we have to learn to yield those things under his lordship. He's not going to let the dead person lay out there in the street. He's not going to let the land be misused. He's not going to let the wife be ignored, but he wants us to follow him first and foremost. Then everything else will find its appropriate place in our lives. And see, that was a stumbling block for many when he would say that. You know, I, I, if, you, if you can't f just follow me, you're not worthy of me. And people are going, but, but Lord, I've got this. To, don't you know I have a job? Don't you know I got a mortgage to pay? <clears throat> don't you know I got a cell phone bill due? Don't you know, Lord? Yeah, he does. What does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things the Gentiles seek. All these things like paying the mortgage, putting food in the table, shall be added unto you according to your need. This is the hard part of the message that Steve started is to understand the depth of following. To really be a follower of Jesus, to really accept his calling, is something that in our own flesh and nature we are incapable of doing. None of us in this room have the wherewithal, the power, or the ability to be that obedient. None of us. None of us. See, this is where the church sometimes forgets to teach a message. What empowers us to be believers is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to make what is impossible in the flesh possible in the Spirit. I believe the day that Jesus walked on those shores and saw those fishermen.
The Holy Spirit was already at work preparing them. There was no surprise, I don't believe, when Peter heard those words. When all of them heard those words, they were expecting them. They were prepared to hear what had to be heard. Now let's go to the foolishness of this preaching, as St. Paul calls it, and you see it in today's gospel lesson. We call these the Beatitudes, the blessed are those. And when you look at the message, it's, it, once again, it's a, it's a message that in our humanness is, it all sounds good, but we tend to say, but it can't be. It's too good to be true. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they'll inherit this, they'll get that. We don't understand that because in our sin-distorted culture, these are objectives of Jesus that don't work, at least in our mind. They don't work. To be a follower of Jesus, truly a follower from the definition as explained in the scripture, requires from us to be able to surrender and submit ourselves and trust. I remember a story that was told years ago. I probably heard this when I was about 10 or 11 in a sermon, and it's one of those things that just stays with you all your life. The story is told about a fire that broke out one night at a home in Long Island. Two-story house. House is on fire, and there's a young boy upstairs trapped. The firemen are yelling to the child to jump out the window, and the child will not do it. He's afraid, and understandably so, until he hears his father's voice. Then the child leaped to his safety. It was the fireman with the net, but it was the father's voice that gave the call. Now, let's tie this together with being a follower. Every one of us here in this room today is here for a reason in God's timing and purpose. Every one of us. For whatever different reason we are here today, God is calling us to bigger and greater and more wonderful things in our life if we are obedient to be a follower. What did Jesus say? We heard this not that many weeks ago about sheep. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And they trust me. They trust me. Wherever you are today in your life, you may believe you are a follower and in your heart you are. But have you really laid it on the line, so to speak, to say, Lord, I want to have that ability to let go of everything and let you show me a better way. The Beatitudes in that gospel go contrary to the instincts of the human nature. They really do. 
They all sound good. They're the most wonderful of all ideals. Yet you look at the world today, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, the world has never changed. The same negative things that cause uprisings and wars and disagreements and anger have never changed. They've always been there. That's the nature of the sin of man. We as Christians are being called to follow Jesus into a far superior way which goes against our own nature and sometimes seeming self-interest. To be his follower. I loved how Steve showed it last week, how so many of us, so many that call the name of Christ are fans. Some fans are semi-committed. I think of where I used to live at in South Carolina. That was Clemson country. Believe me. Blood flowed orange where I lived. There was no red because that would have been the University of South Carolina and God forbid that we would ever give them any honor. No, we were in tiger country. And everybody in that part of the world becomes a fan. But do they go to the games? Do they watch them all? Do they really, or they just talk about it when it's comfortable and fun? That's being a fan. A follower is the guy that buys the season tickets and travels the country to go to every game. I thought about that. The difference between a fan and a follower, yeah, you kind of know about it, but are you committed? Are you committed? And some of them up there are. And I'm sure a lot of them were real happy a couple of weeks ago when they, they won and they became national champs for the first time in how many years? I'm glad I wasn't up there to have to put up with that for the next three weeks. I lived in Clemson. I know what it would be like. You never hear the end of it. The point is we are followers. We come to this place to unburden ourselves of our sin and say, Lord, empower me to follow you to a better life. Empower me to get through these days. I want to be your follower. I want to be in your footsteps. And in the epistles, there's another word used along with follower. To imitate. To imitate. St. Paul explains following as being imitators. We look at Christ and we want to be like him. We want to act like him. We want to have the compassion like him. We want people to see Christ in us as we live. Because you know something? Sometimes we're the only sermon somebody will ever hear or see. It was Nietzsche, the great atheist, that had a great line that I have to agree with. Do not tell me about your Redeemer until you can prove to me you've been redeemed. Think about that. Don't even bother to tell me about your Redeemer until you can show me you have been redeemed. And that's the problem with the church today. I'm going to finish up this sermon pretty quick. 
and share with you something that I have been wrestling with for the last couple of days. My wife probably wonders what goes on in that mind of his, especially as we get closer to Sunday morning. And it all pretty well, I made my decision on one aspect of my life on Friday, as I think you figured out. To be honest, there's a church up in Georgia that would love for me to be their pastor, and I'm not going to do it, and I'll tell you why. This is a church that are fans of Jesus, not followers. They have their own executive committee. They're going to run it their way. It's their church our way. In everything they're doing in searching for a pastor, I have not seen the word prayer used once. It's all about committees and experts. Guess what? Forget it. If you're not doing it God's way, you're not God's church. You're not followers. You're fans. And so they can call me if they want. The answer is going to be no. Not until you become his followers. I'm not interested because I don't work for you. I am not an employee of a board. I'm called by God. God sends. Churches do not employ. That is unscriptural. And every church that takes the mindset that a pastor is subject as an employee I've always seen nothing but turmoil, nothing but angst, nothing but trouble, nothing but division, because you're going against what God demands. And until you can understand that, you're not even a church. You're a club. The church is the body of the living Jesus on this earth. It's not a committee looking, what does St. Paul say? heaping under the, um, themselves teachers that'll preach the message they want to hear that makes us happy. They would never be happy with my message. Believe me. Maybe they need to hear it. But I put that in God's hands. No, this church here will grow because I am more and more convinced today than I ever have been in the year that we've been here this church has moved from being fans to real followers, and I'm watching the change in your lives. I am sensing it and feeling it every day. I am more committed to working with Father Steve to see this place be all that God called it to be because you people became, somewhere along the way, you never realized it, you became followers. From my heart, what a joy that is. No, Steve, you started something when you asked that question and I had to stop and think and put that in perspective of churches that I have been in, attended, worshipped at over my, over my lifetime. And you defined it so well. A fan and a follower. I thank God for each and every one of you here. And I thank God for those that are yet to be here in his time as we become more like him and take on what St. Paul says, our next step. And this is where I wanted to close in that one verse in the gospel, in the, in the epistle. For those of us that are being saved, the King James says saved, but the actual nuance is those that are being saved. And I need to explain that so it's not complicated. 
in many Protestant circles, we think about the moment we got saved and it's a done deal and it's finished. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Salvation, from the time we accept Christ, we have, we have that hope of eternity with him. But salvation is still a process on this earth. We are still not perfected. We still have a lot to learn, a lot to do. Being saved is not the be-all, end-all. It is the beginning of a new life on this earth and in the life to come with him. We grow daily in his word is what the Bible teaches us. We grow deeper in his grace. So yeah, salvation is a never-ending process. I don't care if you got saved when you were five or 50. It's still a process that never ends to the day we're called home. What does St. Paul say? We see through a glass dimly, but when we shall see him face to face, then it'll all be clear, and we will understand the process that we've gone through. And that's where the blessings begin. Amen. He who began a good work in you Began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you. Slowly replacing your hope with despair Or the process is long and you're losing your song in the night You can be sure that the Lord has His hand on you Safe and secure, He will never abandon you you are his treasure, and he finds his pleasure in you. He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work
a wonderful song of hope from Steve Green. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Will be faithful to complete it. So I ask the question to you, who do you serve? In whom do you believe? Where do you put your trust? Is it in the princes of this world, those that will be elected here in the United States in a couple of weeks? Or do you put it into the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Don't put your trust in princes or the sons of men. They'll let you down every time. They have for me since the day I started voting 50 years ago. It's not fixed. Don't put your hope and trust in things that will not survive in things that are not eternal. Don't invest into the agencies of this world. Invest into those things of God. I can't put it any any stronger to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you can today, right now, to say, Lord, I am a sinner. I know that I've come short of your glory. But I realize you sent your son, Jesus Christ, on my behalf to pay the penalty of my sin. And by his blood, I can be redeemed. Lord, forgive me of my sin and bring me into your kingdom. It's that easy. And if you do, you need to find a Bible-believing church. If you need some help, you can always write me personally. Bob at Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Bob at Truth, the number two, ponder.com. And I'll help you find a place that can, that can meet your need. We also are looking to you to keep us on shortwave radio. To me, shortwave radio is one of the most vital ways of communicating that I can think of that is still pretty much censorship free. But unfortunately, the airtime is not free. Now, while I'm working on some other ministries that I'll talk about next week that I'm excited about, Shortwave is still the primary reach for this radio program. And if you would be kind enough to prayerfully consider a gift today to this ministry, it would be much appreciated. Our mailing address is very simple. By the way, if you're writing a check, make it payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie. Chilhowie, Virginia. That's C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E. Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowie, Virginia is 24319. That's 24319. 24319. You can also support us from the website, which is truth, the number two ponder.com. And until next week, may God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two. Ponder.com. Truth to Ponder. Shining the light of truth in a darkening world.